your skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. We're so sorry, skeletons, you're so misunderstood. You only want to socialize. And listen. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell. Round two. Technically round three. Yeah, but I mean, it is round one, two. Buckle my shoe. Oh, no. I was going to say one, two, okay, but it's... Oh, wait, oh no, it was one, two, three, okay, but I was gonna say one, two, okay, what? but it's. What are you talking about? <laughs> one, two, K, oh! But we were counting to three, so it didn't work, but I only realized that halfway through. We have been doing this for like a year. Wow. Technically, we've recorded 70 episodes. Oh, no, and to no. 71, there was that one lost one. Shit, you're right. And and technically, the 101st episode, yeah. the, the Mist special. So we have recorded like 72 or 73 episodes. But, um... If you're still listening... What? Yep. <laughs> so this is... You're our favorite customer. <laughs> you're my favorite customer. <laughs> So this is 58, and 58 is important because on episodes 5 and 6, when we first started this thing, we actually we started at the worst fucking time yeah. to start this podcast. Like, we didn't even start with the new year. We started at the busiest and most expensive time where we didn't really have time to record, but we did it anyway. And, like... Because we're losers. Oh... Uh, well, because we liked to smoke, and we started, we, and by we I mean me mostly, and started to feel, like, lazy just doing nothing with my life. So, like, this became, like, let's be productive. Let's do something. I like dialogue. I like talking. And I want to redact that statement, senor. We, yeah. uh, but what What are yeah. we smoking? Yeah. Uh, other, than, other than the high of life. That the... Beautiful, sexy, high. We we be jamming. We be jamming. We be jamming with Tony Macaroni's Jamaican basil. We started sometime at November, like the end of November, around like Thanksgiving. I think that was your second episode. Yeah, it was. was Thanksgiving. So a week before Thanksgiving, maybe a couple days before Thanksgiving, maybe. It's now a week before Christmas, and we're back, and it's just like. Well, not a week before Christmas. It's just I lose my whole next week because I'm going to be in fucking Florida. And then it's Christmas. So it's just like we needed to push all the other episodes back and just do another Christmas episode. Because, frankly, I didn't think we'd come a whole year round. I also thought... I didn't think there would be, be alive. more than. I also thought that that we we would get more than fifty eight episodes out in a year. But I mean, honestly, like I'm not surprised. It's only been fifty eight. I'm gonna be surprised if we get past a hundred. <laughs> you know, I keep telling myself we're gonna be done at a hundred. But you know, I'll be surprised if we live till another five episodes. <laughs> no, we got too many plans. We got too much stuff in the works. What um, are our plans, Mister Death? You Yo, you haven't even. Introduce me. We're yet. still we're still talking. We're still meandering. We're meandering to the 
to the plot to the actual episode. We um, our our plans, Franz McBoohoo, mm. are to probably tackle like a serious story after after episode sixty nine. I think sixty nine is your next episode, and it's a it's a fucking mess <laughs> train wreck. But, but we'll get there. You know, we'll get there, and. I think somewhere in the 70s or 80s, we're going to try and do Pen Pal. And Pen Pal is one of the published creepypastas, one of the published Reddit No Sleeps. So it's just like, we're going we're gonna to get to better material. We've been working through some better material. We got Odd Kids coming up. We just did Mr. Bear's Cellar, fucking 1999. There was some good shit. We're, we've been tackling some good shit. This, everything we're going to read in this episode is technically good shit. All of the stuff in this list is, like, Reddit No Sleep December winners. Like, they're, they're into the attitude, they're, they're into the atmosphere and the context of what makes the holiday so great, but they also want to make it a little creepy. Just a little spoopy. I don't know about you, but I love to have pasta at my Christmas parties. Uh, I mean, my, my, my father's side of the family is Italian, so I've been having pasta at Christmas, like, for every year since I was a fucking child. Whoa. Yeah. My, my aunts, my aunts and grannies' meatballs did you have always been great. Did you sprinkle Parmesan on the pasta like it was snow? <laughs> no, probably not. Then you fucking missed out. And you're not really Italian. Say something. I'm giving up on you. So this is the Christmas special where we've 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 made it we've made it a whole year. This is fifty eight. Fifty eight Christmas special. Christmas special fifty eight. Here we are. Here we're doing it. You and me we're do fifty eight Christmas. Christmas 58 special for the end, for all the ends of the world. This Christmas special, and we're going to read some Christmassy stories for this Christmas special. This is technically the third Christmas special. If you want to, if you're feeling, you know, holiday, the holiday spirit, you could, you could go back and listen to episodes five and six, but, but I wouldn't because they're pieces of shit. You haven't even re-listened to and the Christmas special. Santa's gonna put cold the first in your one's stocking. Better. The first one's better than the second one. I'll say that much. But the second uh, one, I don't even remember the second one. Yeah, anymore. man, you don't really, you don't wanna, you know, <laughs> with the old, with the old microphone <clears throat> and with those shitty creepy. Frankly, they were like all creepy pastas, and you could tell because the quality was just terrible. Like these are monthly Reddit no sleep winners for the last couple years of December. They're just you could just tell that the quality is gonna be better. For this one, it shouldn't be creepy pastas. It should be Christmas fruitcakes. Great. So we got some great Christmas fruitcakes <laughs> for this episode. Um if you if you liked help on the shelf, <laughs> you'll like Birkin on a Merkin. <laughs> So what was that? There was another funny one recently. It was like Jew on something. <laughs> it was like a Christmas. It was like Jew the... on a shoe. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, probably. This first. <laughs> oh, this first one isn't a Reddit. You no can sleep. cut that. 
This first one is an unsettling story, which I like them too. We've read a couple on your episodes. Anything that dealt with like undeads having sex or genital mutilation or like bugs, that's always been unsettling stories. (laughs) Grandma would always warn me that the elf on the shelf was watching to make sure I wasn't bad. Growing up, even when it was nowhere near Christmas, the elf would observe me. The elf would judge me. Alright, let me stop you there. The elf on the shelf. Have you ever seen these fucking things? You know what they are? Elves on shelves? The little, the little yes. puppet yeah, with yeah, the they're in red weird, and they have a big old smile. The weird, misproportionate lens. Did, did your mom ever, no. ever do off? Mine didn't either, and I thank the fucking Lord every year because it fucking scares me, man. Yeah, they're pretty creepy. Anyway, I'm sorry. Especially with his extendo penis. <laughs> it's probably just as long as his legs. Right? I mean... It's even longer. I mean, it reached from my closet to my face. <laughs> I mean, even after I said my mom didn't do it, he was still... <laughs> oh, that was my Uncle Frank. <laughs> with my brother and cousins around all the time, <laughs> I'm an only child. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I'm too thin. I think the first, I think the first Christmas special is when I first <laughs> say my most offensive line I've ever said to you, which is your father is Santa Claus because he's not Bloody around. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I guess you know why they call me Frowns McBoo. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so sad. (laughs) (laughs) With my brother and cousins around all the time, it wasn't easy to be good, but I tried. I tried really hard. When I'd make a mistake, be mean to one of them, I felt the elf staring at me. It would remember that moment. I'd picture it waiting until I was in bed. Imagine you in bed. Imagine you in bed as a kid and just from the closet, the gap in the door between the wall is the elf, the elf's face and just the extendo penis comes all the way over to the bed. I'm coming for your... Like like a rapey Grinch. I'm coming for your stocking. Cindy Lou. Oh, my God. I was drinking water to prevent myself, but I spit up everywhere. It's on my pants. I'd picture it waiting until Until I was in bed, bed. then running and tattling to Santa. He would put that childish shit to shame. No matter how much I screamed and sobbed to it, the elf wouldn't answer. He would just wait and watch while waiting for me to do something bad again. It knew me too well. Mm-hmm. On the 4th of July, I burned Marissa with a sparkler. I didn't do it on purpose. I mean, I meant to burn Marissa. <laughs> But I didn't want it to hurt her. That sound logic. Well, children can often be cruel, and I understand that. I just wanted to see what would happen. Unfortunately, she got hurt pretty bad. Grandma had to take her to the hospital. Jesus. But not before she got out of the belt and whipped me until I couldn't sit down. 
Perhaps Maurice's mom came over to give me a beating of her own. Jesus Christ! Can you imagine, like, this grandma? She sees the burnt oh, yeah, kid coming, come she's like, Mama, you, you can kick his ass. <laughs> oh, this your daughter? Okay, kick the shit out of him! And there's just a line with people with belts. <laughs> After Maurice's mom came over to give me a beating of her own, I was left watching Neil, my little brother. Grandma was still at the hospital. Neil, Neil watched TV while I tried to walk off the pain from the beatings. Before Dad died, <laughs> that's what he'd tell me to do too. Walk it off, you little faggot. Paid for it, sponsored, and poor by homophobic parents. <laughs> by Donald Trump. By Donald Trump. I walked a lot. 500 miles to be in fact. Just to be the fact that I'm walk 500 miles. My extendo would be When I got to the living room, the elf was watching me. It knew its wooden mouth was open. Almost like it was waiting for something <laughs> and screaming accusations. You're a bad kid. No one likes you. Santa thinks you're terrible. You'll be a bad man when you grow up. Part of me was kind of hoping you'd do like a schizo for him and be like, You're a bad kid. No one likes you. Santa thinks you're terrible. You're going to be a bad man when you grow up. <laughs> Nah, I'm Jack Nicholson. <laughs> it didn't speak, of course. But it was obvious that that's what it meant. It was the same stuff Grandma said to me day in, day out. And somehow, I always made sure to live up to it. Try as I might, I couldn't be good. At the age of eight, I was already certain I was rotten to the core. Interesting. His grandma calls him a faggot, too, all the time. Months went by and my best efforts yielded punishment. If I wasn't accidentally knocking over a vase in the kitchen, I was tracking mud into the hallway. It invariably ended up with my pants around my ankles and my old grandpappy's extendo <laughs> penis smashing into me as I tried not to scream. <laughs> Screaming would only make the beatings last longer. Screaming would only make the beatings last longer. When it was finally over and I inched my jeans and underwear back up, I told myself I'd be better. That I'd be a good kid from here on out, and for a while, for the entire month of November into December, I was. Grandma, Nell, and I went to get our Christmas tree on December 4th. I came home and decorated it while cookies baked in the oven. I remember Grandma lifting me up with her strong, solid arm so I could put the star on top. The star had been her daughter's. My mother's was one of the only things that left that had belonged to her on December 5th. After Neil and I got home from school, we were playing around. Like all brothers, we played rough. With him being six and me being eight, I was quite bigger. When we were wrestling and I was spinning him by his arm, I made a mistake and I let him go and sent him right to the Christmas tree. It fell into the hardwood floor. Ornaments broke, lights went out, the stars shattered. In an instant, I was panicking. I knew Neil would tell Grandma. I knew the elf in the other room would learn what I'd done. I'd been good for so long that I started to hope I might get Christmas presents. After this, 
Though I thought that after breaking the one thing grandma had left after her daughter was killed by dad, I'd be doomed. Grandma would beat me senseless. The elf would tell Santa I'd get nothing. And Neil would taunt me with his presence. Something sparked inside me. What if the elf hadn't seen what happened? What if Neil didn't tell Grandma? I was very busy for about an hour. By the time I was done, Grandma would be back from work any minute. I knew I might not fool her, but I'd fool the elf. That was the most important. It was he who talked to Santa, not Grandma. I wore Neil's face into the living room floor and looked at the elf on the shelf. He stared back with his black, judgmental eyes. I'm sorry I knocked over the tree and broke the ornament. I said, doing my best impression of Jack Nicholson's voice. (laughs) I'm sorry I knocked over the tree and broke the ornament. I said, doing my best impression of... Neil's high voice. Jack Nicholson's high voice. Can you read it? I'm sorry I knocked over the tree and broke the ornament. I thought about his body. (laughs) No. I thought... I thought about his body cooling on the kitchen floor and his blood making a mess everywhere. Maybe Grandma would believe if a knife fell on him if I cried hard enough under the mask of my brother's skin. I peered at the elf through the eye holes. The skin tasted awful, but I had to breathe through my mouth because the nose holes lined up right. I wonder if my elf believed me. I'm sorry, elf. I squeaked again. I heard the garage door rising and a car pulling inside. Grandma was home. (laughs) I felt a new rush of panic. I glared through the cold mask at the arbiter of my Christmas fortune. The door connecting the garage and the kitchen opened and I heard my grandmother's shrill, hysterical shriek. Elf, I whispered. As tears mixed with my brother's blood and cascaded down my face, the elf on the shelf turned its head 360 degrees as its mouth opened and closed. When it faced me again, it spoke. You've been very bad, Neil. I fell to my knees in fervid, incomprehensible relief. Some part of me heard Grandma still screaming, somehow even louder when she came into the room and saw me. Again, the elf spoke. You've been terrible, Neil. Grandma whirled around and looked at the elf, but then shook her head back and forth like she was trying to get a hold of herself. I stood up, not wanting to ruin the illusion for the elf. I held the mask to my face until I left the room and sat down in the kitchen. Grandma didn't try to hit me. She didn't try to touch me at all. I piled the skin back on Neil's head and told Grandma he fell. She didn't answer. It didn't matter, though. Twenty days later, in my own warm room at the hospital, I got some very nice Christmas presents. The doctors and nurses were so kind and gentle with me. One even hugged me after I'd opened my gifts. <clears throat> the gifts weren't exactly what I'd hoped for, but they were better than nothing. So much better. I giggled to myself as we hugged. When the nurse asked what I was laughing at, I lied and told her that I remembered a funny joke. She smiled, and I was surprised to see a tear running down her cheek. I didn't think much of it, though. All that mattered was I'd won. I'd finally fooled the elf on the shelf. <laughs> never never had the elf on the shelf. I don't even know if many of my <coughs> friends did. I think maybe a bunch of baby ducks. I think maybe his mom had one, but I think he didn't like it either. 
Yeah, um, I'll, I'll have to consult him. Maybe it was uh, maybe it was Terry the Tickler. I don't know. Maybe it was one of them though. <sighs> oh, never yeah. liked it. Creepy little face. Creepy little body parts. And just yeah. It's like the head is made out of wood, but the rest of it is cloth. Like that just. It just and looks irregular. And it has a full, full, full-sized magnum dong, yeah. you know, hidden underneath an extendo, an extendo penis. An extendo penis, yeah. <clears throat> Exponential growth! Yeah. This next story, this one, this one's from Reddit No Sleep. I'm going to read this one. This oh. One's, this one's called, My Christmas Tree is Killing Me. My Christmas Tree is Killing Me. My tree is dead. My Christmas dead. <laughs> My dog and my wife are He's dead. dead. <laughs> Alright. My toe is dead. My Christmas tree is killing me. Doesn't that sound like a good old, like, hit country Christmas song? It's hard to believe that it's just a week ago, my Christmas tree stood tall. away again, my tree is killing me. My Christmas oh, tree stood tall time. and proud in the corner of my living room, bringing me so much joy. Now I find myself wishing this damn tree had never been brought into my home. What few pine needles remain on it are brown, and its trunk is bent over like an inflexible person reaching for their toes. My ornaments have shattered across the floor, but I don't have the strength to pick them up. I've been feeling really sick these past few days, and it's getting worse. Last week, I returned from work and found a post-it on my door. Used your shower, left you a gift, XOXOXOXO mom. My parents retired a few years ago and moved to a campground away from the city. It was nice and all, but they didn't have running water in the winter, so they occasionally stopped by to do laundry and to shower. When I opened the door, Rex, my Labrador, greeted me excitedly. I know, I know, it's a really stereotypical name. In my defense, I got him when I was nine, and I was all about dinosaurs back then. I still am. I have an awesome T-Rex magnet on my fridge that isn't going anywhere. Rex was surprisingly spry for his old age. Microaggression! And I Take him out! happily met his demands for attention. Running my hands over his soft black fur, I removed my coat and threw it in the general direction of the nearest hangar. Rex, tail wagging like a metronome on steroids, dragged me to the living room. I smiled as I saw the beautiful Christmas tree my parents had left me. Rex spread out under the tree on a white blanket that had been draped around it and playfully nibbled at the bottom branches. The next day, I put on some holiday music and dug through boxes to find my ornaments. Rex thought he'd help me by pulling out random objects and hiding them around my house. There was a sweet scent in the air, like nutmeg mixed with candle wax. I had likely failed to close the lid on one of the Christmas candles. The clumped up sugar in my cupboard was proof of my lazy lid closing ways. Rex was particularly fond of my new garlands and helped me unravel them all over the living room floor. It took me 15 minutes to undo all the Mm. knots. He loved watching me struggle. After finding a nice array of older ornaments from my childhood and newer ones I brought myself after moving out, I began decorating the tree. I remembered the year when I got Rex. This guy is all over the fucking place. He was sitting under the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve wearing a big red bow. We've been friends ever since. As I continued to hang the ornaments, Fucking I spotted a few yellowing pine needles. I carefully plucked them off and tossed them into the garbage. Their absence did not take away from the tree's splendor. splendor. After a while, I noticed Rex <clears throat> wasn't by my side anymore. I looked around my house and found him curled up on his doggy bed, which was pretty unusual in and of itself. I'd only seen him sleep there twice since I bought the thing. Rex much preferred the foot of my bed, all tuckered out, huh, boy? I teased, scratching him behind the ear. 
He whined lowly and closed his eyes. I let him be, took a few moments to send my parents a thank you email with a photo of the decked out tree, and then started on supper. Before sitting down at the table, I opened a can of Rex's favorite food and poured it in his bowl. I called for him, but he didn't come. He was probably exhausted from the decker a thong. Fuck. I'm gonna kill myself. I ate alone for the first time in years. The silence was definite. <clears throat> Take the shot. Brr. But at least I could enjoy the view as I devoured my meal. My tree looked beautiful. I checked on Rex a few times that evening, but he was fast asleep. Lazy bum. My dad answered my email and told me they were canceling our plans for supper the next day because they'd come down with the flu. I gave them strict instructions to get some rest and then followed my own advice. I was starting to feel rather worn out myself. I just have to say, I haven't had a real tree in years, and Same. if this is about a, a haunted, ganglion, poison ivy tree, yeah, man. fucking never get a real tree. Totally, man. Over the course of the following days, I saw a steady decline in old Rex's health. I was afraid it was his time. I dreaded it so much that it gave me nightmares. I could barely keep myself from tearing up at work. We'd been through so much together, Rex and I, I wasn't ready to say goodbye. I came home one night to find a collection of yellow and brownish pine needles under the tree. It was starting to thin out, like the top of a middle-aged man's head. I vacuumed the mess, feeling really guilty for being unable to keep the damn tree alive. It was a gift, after all. What would my parents say if they saw it in such pitiful condition? I stopped in my tracks and realized I'd forgotten to greet Rex. I ran to his side and dropped to my knees. I didn't even have to touch him to know that he was gone. My lips quivering and my eyes dripping, I gave him a final hug. I'm sorry I wasn't here to say goodbye, I murmured. I had to call a friend to take care of him. I couldn't do it myself. The next few days passed in a blur. I was so distraught that I called in sick from work. It wasn't a complete lie since I felt like I'd caught what was ailing my parents. I emailed my dad to tell him about Rex. He loved that dog almost as much as I did. He liked to kidnap him for week-long camping trips. He claimed we had shared custody of him. Though my parents' laptops were typically at arm's reach, I didn't get a reply. Dad was probably moping around the campfire and needing his space. I coped by turning into a complete hermit, leaving the house only once to take out the trash and overflowing recycling bin. I can't remember why the recycling bin was so full. I don't recall putting so much stuff into it. Meanwhile, my Christmas tree continued to decay. I was too much of a wreck and too bored down to bother taking it out to the dumpster. I just let it rot slowly in my living room. Since yesterday, I'd been getting these awful headaches, and my nose keeps bleeding. I spent most of my time lying in bed or sitting at the computer. I wish Rex was here. I wish my parents would reply to my emails. I'm so lonely. I called the friend who took care of Rex for me, but she couldn't stand the phone very long. It seems like I gave her my flu. I wish I wasn't looking at my pathetic excuse for a Christmas tree. It's slouched over and there's not a single ornament left on it. It's the screen's getting all blurry. I'm probably going to go to bed soon. As I was typing this, I heard a faint hissing sound coming from the tree. I lethargically wheeled my chair over and leaned in to listen. It was the sound of air escaping a tire, and it was coming from a tiny black tube sticking out of the trunk. That's when I realized something. The tree had no scent. I should have been able to smell pine or rot or something. Anything. And then I remembered why the recycling bin had been so full. My mind was distracted when I took it out, but it was coming back to me. There had been a large crumpled up cardboard box with a picture of a tree on it. Artificial Christmas trees aren't supposed to die. 
Oh man, I'm starting to feel really dizzy. I'm gonna go lay down for a while. So that was the reverse. It was the artificial tree that was bad. But what was it? But what was the black pipe in it? Yeah, but what was going on, you know? It was just killing people, but what about the fake tree was killing people? The black tube inside, but what was in the black tube? I think poison. Illuminati confirmed, six of six. Six of six, yeah, take a shot. Um, <laughs> this next one, this one's called Red Christmas. Time has come, the time is near, the time of the whole cosmos are here. We are fucking animals and it's a critter Christmas. Hey, Satan. That wasn't actually the song, but I can't remember half the words, but you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. I tried hard. And I still deserve that wine. Oh, Red Christmas. That means it's um, about a red bush. I was going to say those needs a tampon. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, you got the bush and it's red. So it's more like the Christmas shrub. You're, you're in a completely different section of the mind. Right and, if you, and if you put white paint on it, it would look like Santa's coat. On the 28th of December, 2011, my friend Carl found a naked, middle-aged man stumbling through the snow behind his house. He was walking on a thin, barely-used path between the forest and Carl's house, humming the tune of Last Christmas. <laughs> the account of the situation as Carl told it to me. I saw him from my first floor window. At first I thought a deer had come from the forest. They do that sometimes. But after a moment I realized there was this guy walking past our neighbor's fence and slowly approaching ours. I thought he might be from the mental clinic just a few blocks away and figured that he probably needed help, so I called the police, went out to the back door, and during the few steps towards the fence, tried to call my neighbor, but he didn't answer, so I just left a message. Hey, this is Carl. When you get this, please come out to your backyard. There's a strange guy walking around. He has no pants, and he's <laughs> wagging his extendo penis everywhere. He was the elf on the shelf, by golly. Shit. I reached the fence two or three minutes after I saw the guy first, but he didn't get much further. He had just reached my fence. It had snowed several days in a row, and the snow reached at least his knees. But he was a stark, naked, absolutely nothing on his body. I mean, his legs and arms were already blue from the... His, but from his face, it was as if he didn't notice. He nearly smiled. You know, this scene was so grotesque. I shouted at him whether he was okay. And he looked at me and smiled, but said nothing. And he kept walking, if you can call it that. His walk wore more of a stumbling forward. His dick was flopping left and right and all around. Not exactly surprised with his dying limbs, but seriously, how could his dick wag like that? And how could he still walk? How could he still work? Just, just read, just read the And well, that's not all. I didn't see it at first, but 
there was a dried blood on his face and chest, and still I asked again whether he needed help. He again said nothing, he just kept his face in my direction, smiling at me, staring at me. But it wasn't like he noticed me. He stared at me, but at the same time right through me. And he was humming something. I didn't hear it at first, but when I he got so close, he was clearly humming something like, you're getting carried away. You're getting carried away. It's just the first part. Fine. I don't know what came over me, but I got out and stood in his way just to stop him from walking, just to change something, just to make the situation better. I guess I still thought he might just be a retarded guy that somehow got lost or something. Sir, please come inside. I think you need help. He just ignored me. The very next day. Sir, I called the police. They should be here in a moment. Please come inside. That's the first time he seemed to notice You're me. You're talking my lingo, kid. Let's, was, let's do it. Let's get inside. He was right in front of me at that point, and finally, as if he just noticed that he couldn't walk straight ahead anymore, he raised his leg and then put it down again in the same spot. He gave him the stanky leg. He whispered something. I didn't understand what he said, but it sounded like waypoint. Sir, I can't understand you. Please come inside. You'll get better if you come inside. He whispered again. This time I heard it barely. I've been a bad boy. Sir, that is okay. You will be fine. Please come inside. I must have sounded pretty desperate, but instead of replying, he just said, calm like a stone. I've been a bad boy. I will die today. Because we're going to hell. Oh, I'm old. Oh, if I... If only he knew how many times millennials had wished that they had died. <laughs> then he started walking again, first towards me. Then, when I, I didn't move, he made a few steps to the side and tried to walk around me. I guess I should have tried to hold him or something, but I didn't dare to do it, you know? Like an injured animal, the last thing you want is that it attacks you. So I stepped back into my garden. I hate you. No one's gonna hate me afterwards. Well, then you cut it. It's not the target shot. No. Well, you, you cut it. You cut it. Maybe I do things for you sometimes. Maybe I just do things to get a laugh out of you because I'm gonna fucking cut it anyway. So just fucking let me do me. Okay? <laughs> so I stepped back into my garden. And he kept walking past my gate. <laughs> All right. Well, hey guys, thanks for sticking around. It's gonna be a long episode. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a lot of the pasta. Yeah, that's a lot of pasta. <laughs> this, for this New Year's, let's try to cut, cut some carbs. <laughs> well, it would and be, by that I mean let's. I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> but if it's vegetarian pasta, you don't gotta get the carbs. That's when the police arrived. 
I guess they must have parked in front of my house. <laughs> but no one answered as they ran around it. They came from the side where there, where the small path meets the bush, <laughs> the street, and the, and the two guys, they were holding a blanket. So he is an escaped guy from the mountain. Yeah. So. And he is naked. I was right. He's... That was never offered to me. The baby. elf, the elf, the elf. elf. Oh my god, just escaped. The elf escaped his I shell. Just, it's an old man. He's escaped his shell. The shell, you, here's what you don't understand. The, the, I'm going to level with you right here. All right, all right, Morty. Morty. Morty, listen to Morty. <laughs> no, you can't win me back that way. Listen, listen. The, the elf is eternal. But when he leaves his shelf, he becomes human. And he ages. That, my friend, mm-hmm. is an elf that got knocked off his shelf. Aren't we all? And he loses his cute little red suit when that happens and he becomes naked. You don't believe me? We're gonna find out. Stick around. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, the guy had taken a few steps past me. And for the first time, I saw his back. Man, I tell you, I'd never seen anything like it. There was blood everywhere, and red marks, like from a whip or a stick. It's the kid from the first episode, getting fucking beat by belts the entire time. We've gone full circle. It's more of Krampus, you know? Like, uh, Krampus comes by, and then after you're a bad kid for Christmas, then he takes you and gives you lashes with, from, from his whip. And puts you in his butt. As if someone had cut pieces of his skin out. Man, it looked bad, really bad. I don't remember the details of what the police said to him, but it was surreal. They basically threw the blanket on him and wrapped him in it. And they talked about bringing him to the hospital and that an ambulance would arrive soon. But he still tried to keep walking. He mumbled something, and I think the police didn't understand it. That's why he shouted, I've been a bad boy! I need to be punished! You will be punished too! Oh, that gave me a... Because re- I'm old! That gave me a reasonable chub. A reasonable chub. A reasonable chub. And then, when they were leading him to the car, I was just standing there, stunned by the whole situation. He started humming again. The next day, the news said that after receiving a, quote, tip, unquote, but, but, what, the tip of what? Here's the real question. Was it (laughs) just the tip of that extendo penis? (laughs) Or a fact? No, it's a journalist thing. Fat stack. Fat cat. What you say when you're from Boston? I got, I got a fat cat. <laughs> yeah, probably. Bostonians probably do say cat. Look at this cat. Hey, you got a nice cat. Hey, you got a nice cat. Hey, you want to get hey, DP'd wanna, by these cats? Want to be gay? Want to be gay or something? Hey, nice cat. Hey, I got a big black cat. Yes. Yes. Waldorf, I hear you have a nice cat. A nice big cat. Um, yeah. May I see it? Um, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Walt. 
The next, uh, oh, oh, sorry, tip. The next days, the news, <laughs> hold on. The next day, the news said that after receiving a nice, quote, tip, unquote, from a victim, from a victim they found three corpses in a hunt in the forest. Dang. That's efficient. Tip from a victim, three in the hunt. I mean, three in the forest. All of them, middle-aged men, naked. Two frozen to death, one died from blood loss. They also found a range of whips, chains, hammers, corkscrews, and drills scratched in the wall of the hunt. Was one sentence. That's what happens to naughty boys. Mm-hmm, like I think it's something else that happens to naughty boys. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the end of that story. <laughs> that's the end of that one. All right, I hope everyone is. <laughs> Are you strapped still there? Because uh, we're half, we're halfway. Did you say strap in or strap on? This uh, this next one's called the best Christmas ever. All right, I'm fucking. I'm 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 ready. I smoothed uh, down uh, my red vagina, velvet <laughs> vagina dress. Vagina. Mommy picked it out for me. She said she used to wear almost the exact same dress when she was younger. I feel like a candy cane with my brand new shiny white shoes. My hair is all done up with little sparkly clips. Mommy let me wear makeup this year. I did it just the way she does with shimmering lip gloss and a lot of blush on my cheeks. I'm nine this year and I just know it's going to be the best Christmas ever. Now, was it blush on her cheeks or was it. Christmas uh, has always been a swollen big blood vessel from all the wine. We decorate <laughs> the entire house with tinsel and twinkly lights. Mommy brought home a big tree that's taller than I am. We spent an entire weekend filling it with ornaments. <laughs> Our house looks like Santa's village. I think Christmas has always been a big deal because it's also my birthday. Well, Christmas Eve is my birthday, so instead of waiting for Christmas morning, Mommy and I always open presents the night before. Some of the girls at school think it'd be bad to share your birthday with Christmas since they think you'd get less presents, but Mommy always gives me the best gifts. Last year, she got me a puppy. Tonight was is a fucking, Christmas uh, Eve. What's what's Sophie? A Havishon. She bet she was a Havishon. And Havishon. <laughs> and mommy <laughs> had gone all out with dinner. She made a turkey and ham. Whoa! For just us two. Mom of the year. We also have the same sides and yummy desserts that we have every year. That's boring. Mommy is wearing a green velvet dress, and we just look very festive next to each other. We laugh and eat until we're stuffed. Next, it's present time. Mommy tells me that Christmas is about family, and that presents are just an added bonus, but it's hard not to get excited. She always gets me the best stuff. Please, I got Mommy something special, too. Under the tree are lots of presents. I rip through them pretty fast. I get lots of new clothes and jewelry. Mommy always got me very my very own makeup kit. <laughs> oh, she helps me put even more blush on my face. Now we have matching rosy cheeks. I saved the biggest gift for last. This box is huge. It must be at least three feet long. (laughs) This is a very special present. 
Mommy tells me, You have to be careful when opening it. I slowly unwrap it. The paper comes away easily. Maybe it's another puppy. House <laughs> full of I bitches. Li- I lift the top of the box off, and inside I see a doll. She's so lifelike. I reach in to touch her, but then I suddenly realize she's breathing. I gasp and draw away. Is this is she real? Yes, George, she's your new little sister. Her name is Charity. She couldn't be older than four. She's wearing a frilly blue dress and has soft red hair. My hands start to shake, but I still reach in and stroke her face. She's cold, but breathing. Her hands and feet are so small. Mommy sits behind me, smiling. I've given her a sleeping pill so she won't wake up for a few hours. But once she wakes up, we can dress her up and introduce her to her new house. Where did you get her? She's perfect. I can't stop petting her. She swats in my hand in her sleep. Behind the dumpster, just like where I got you. Mommy rubs my back lovingly. I frown a little. What if she doesn't work out? Like my last little sister, Mommy stops rubbing. Well, it's always a risk when you're shopping for new babies. The last one was just too noisy. I had to throw her away, but this one came without a fuss, so I think she's going to be perfect. I smile wide. Thank you, Mommy. You're the very best Mommy in the world. I wrap my arms around her. I leap up. Oh, and I have a present for you, too. And I've been keeping it a secret for a long time. Uh... Yeah, it's in the basement. Mommy picks up Charity and slings her over her shoulder. The little girl's body flops like a rag doll. I grab Mommy's hand and we go down to the basement. It smells bad, so neither of us spend much time down here. That's why I knew this was the perfect place to hide her present. I turn on the lights and I yell, Ta-da! The light illuminates a sleeping man slumped on the floor. He's tied to the radiator with my jump ropes. Boxes of cookies scatter the floor. I plug my nose. The man went to the bathroom right where he was, and it smelled terrible. I started to cry a little. I'm sorry, Mommy. I told him to keep himself clean. I step forward. Wake up, Daddy. You have to meet Mommy. The man doesn't stir. I feel mad at him. I kick him a little. Wake up, Daddy. Mommy puts a hand on my shoulder. Oh, Joy, this was so thoughtful of you. But did you give him water? I look up at her, tears in my eyes. I gave him plenty of cookies so he wouldn't get hungry. Silly girl, daddies need food and water. Mommy is smiling, so I know she's not mad at me. It looks like we may need to throw daddy up. It looks like we may need to throw this daddy away. He's gone bad. I pout. I tried so hard to get you a good present. I did all the tricks you taught me and got him into the basement and everything. It's not your fault, Sugar Plum. Finding the right daddy is very hard. You know this? I've been trying for years. She tussles my hair. I'll get rid of this daddy for you and then we can play with your new little sister. Okay. Mommy takes my hand and we walk back upstairs. The lights are still twinkling and it makes me feel a little better. I'll get her a good present next year. I'll get her ten daddies. And maybe (laughs) one of them will tell me why my puppy won't wake up. I wish I had ten daddies.
Ten sugar daddies. Because ten daddies means ten dicks. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Oh, womp, womp. This next one is called... The Christmas Spirit. Did you like that on the last South Park episode? When they got to the, the tent, it made that noise. Is that the real noise from the movie, too? It's actually... The Christmas Spirit from Reddit No Sleep. It started on the 1st of December. The smell wasn't a reason to complain. We woke up to the smell of Christmas cookies. At first, we thought it might just be the neighbors baking, but we have lived here for nearly a year, and we only once or twice smelled our neighbors' kitchen activities. And it was only when they burned something. That sweet Alabama kush. Push. Yeah. <sighs> Pure imports. Pure imports. Still, we thought it was innocent, even nice. On the 2nd of December, the smell was already more intense. Nonetheless, still pleasant. On the 3rd of December, the smell was already somewhat unpleasant, and we found the first cookie on the table. It was still warm, freshly baked, maybe a somewhat creepy gift from the landlord. On the 4th of December, we woke up to a noise in the kitchen. <laughs> when I ran inside, there were cookies over and in, not just one or two, not two whole trays of cookies. We called <laughs> no, our landlord and kindly asked him what he's doing. He just got the phone and cookies were delicious. <laughs> no. I kind of thought that's where they were going. I mean, they kind of are, but they're but it's horror. It's not a musical. <laughs> All right. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's uh, move on. Sure. <laughs> On the 5th of December, commotion from the kitchen woke us up. Again, I ran inside, but there was none but heaps of cookies on the countertops. We called our landlord again, and he just said, don't worry, and cut the phone again. So maybe, you like... You know what? Like, I would eat the fucking cookies. cookies maybe know? they get, like, the... Maybe they sleep I wouldn't complain about cookies, a vegan... Yeah, like, not even there were, there's man. There's raw egg in this. You know, monkeys are trained to pick coconuts out of fucking trees. You fucking sick cunt. Do I need to put on blood and throw it on you and call PETA? Cause I'll fucking do it. On the sixth of December, I really want to say it. it's I so know weird. You do, but stop. On the sixth of December, there was no noise, but the smell was choking. I ran to the kitchen to open up the windows, only to trip over mountains of cookies on the floor. We just solved world hunger. We... Yes! The kitchen was filled to the brim like a manic baker. It baked for three days without a break. You say sugar cookies? Like, I could... I would love the smell of sugar cookies every morning. And you're telling me there's free fucking cookies? I'll be the fattest piece of shit. I'll start <laughs> selling them. This would be I know, a company. Right? I, would, I would become the sugar cookie king of Chicago. On the 7th of December, I woke up from cookies falling on my head. I tried to stay awake, but I must have fallen asleep again, maybe around 2 a.m. When everything still seemed normal, the cookies were hard, inedible, nearly burned. On the 8th of December, we had set up a camera to film whatever was happening. We woke up from the noise of a broken glass. When I arrived in the kitchen, equipped with a baseball bat, no one was there. The mountain of cookies made it nearly impossible to walk on the floor. The smell of burned goods made me gag, and the camera was gone. A window was broken. When I looked down and saw the camera at the other side of the street smashed into pieces, a landlord didn't answer the phone. We hammered at his apartment door 
and he only answered after more than 20 minutes. He looked tired, exhausted, and nearly sick. The last tenant, he said, was an old lady. She died last year around this time. She too had complained about cookies appearing in her kitchen. He had laughed and ignored the crazy old lady. We were disturbed, but to say at the least, but our landlord didn't want to say more. He told us to get out for Christmas, but there was no place for us to go, so we stayed. On the 9th of December, we woke up to wood breaking. Our bedroom door had holes in it, cookie-sized. The smell of burnt cookies was so strong it brought tears in our eyes. It took us hours just to clear the kitchen. On the 10th of December, we woke up to an old woman cursing. When we ran into the kitchen, there was no one, but there was blood on the floor, slowly seeping into the burnt cookies. On the 11th of December, we woke up to cookies being thrown at us. The bedroom door was open. There were cookies all around us, on the blanket, on the floor, even the pillow. My wife had one stuck between her teeth. Even from afar, we could see the stacks of burnt cookies in the kitchen. When we walked inside, we also saw the blood on the floor, about an inch deep, solidified as if it had been there for days. Both of us threw up. We took all day just to clean the kitchen. On the 12th of December, I woke up to someone violently pressing burnt cookies in my mouth. My wife had some around her face. The bedroom floor was covered in them. Not to speak of the kitchen, a pot with burnt liquid was on the stove. The whole apartment smelled of burned meat or maybe burned blood. Our landlord came over that day. He asked us to stay with him for the night. He even promised to refund us for the month. The old lady, he said, the last tenant, had died on the 13th of December last year, just like the tenant before her. We took his offer. On the 13th of December, we went to our apartment at noon. The smell, burnt cookies and burnt meat already wafting through the corridor. The apartment door had small holes, just like those of our bedroom door. We opened the door, the oven was on, the stove was on, burnt cookies soaking in rotten blood covered every corner of the room. We did not dare to enter, but from the front door we could see a body-shaped stack of cookies on the kitchen floor, and two body-shaped stacks of cookies on the bed. The police arrived within just a few minutes. They'd asked us about the mafia connections. We had told them the story. They took samples of the blood and went off with a mix of anger and amusement on their faces. Today we went back to the apartment. The cookies are gone, and so is the blood, but the doors still have holes. The oven still smells of burnt and rotten meat, and there is one single cookie left on the counter, and it has a smiley face. Nice. There was something very, like, J-horror about that entire thing. Very ito very silent hair. Makes me think about how sick in the cookie fighting <laughs> Cookie fighting rub. I believe this is your last story. Yo, guys. So this one is called A Spy Cam in My Christmas Tree Caught More Than Just Santa. And this one is also from Reddit No Sleep. It is 11-11, ladies and gentlemen. Make a wish.
Where are your children? Where is my mind? Where is my mind? Way out in the water. See it? Dabbing. Yeah. A spy cam in my Christmas tree caught more than just Santa. Last year, on Boxing Day, I found a really cool ornament in a clearance box. It had a built-in camera to record a unique perspective on your holiday celebrations. I grabbed the last one from the store's dusty shelf and brought it home for less than 10 bucks. I forgot about it until my wife, my two daughters, and I decorated the house earlier this month. I told my daughters about the camera and said that we'd secretly catch Santa in the act. I had an old costume in the attic and intended to deliver some gifts in full view of the camera on Christmas night. My girls were overjoyed and went back and forth trying to find the best place to put the ornament on the tree. They had no idea Daddy repositioned it later so it could actually catch the living room at a good angle. In the nights leading up to Christmas, I turned the camera on to make sure everything was working properly. In the morning, I reviewed the footage, just long enough to confirm that the thing was working. Satisfied, I inserted the micro SD card back into the ornament and slipped in a new battery for anticipation for the big night. Daddy didn't want to disappoint his girls with a failed recording. We enjoyed Christmas Eve as a family, playing board games and eating way more junk food than there was room in our stomachs, like we do every year. We let our daughters open one gift from Mommy and Daddy before going to bed. The girls still riding their sugar high could be heard giggling in their bedrooms from all the way upstairs. From time to time, my wife and I could hear one of them shush the other, claiming she heard hoofs on the roof and bells jingling. Eventually, our kiddos dozed off. My wife kissed me on the cheek and headed to bed while I turned off all the lights. I retrieved the costume and tiptoed out into the living room getting ready for my big feature film debut. I did everything you would expect Santa to do. I ate most of the cookies, I drank the milk, I pet my large stomach and said my ho ho hoes. And I dropped a few presents by the fireplace, all in the full view of the camera. Pretty good acting job if I do say so myself. On Christmas morning, the girls came running into our bedroom to wake us up. They excitedly insisted we watch the video before opening the presents. I transferred my footage to my laptop, forwarded it to where Santa showed up and pressed play. My girls squealed with delight and jumped in front of the screen, frantically waving at Santa while obscuring the video from my view. It brought me so much joy to see how happy the girls were. I was too lazy to stop the video, so they continued to play in the background while we unwrapped our gifts. I spotted a box I had not seen the night before. It was small and wrapped in blue foil paper I did not recognize. My name was on it, but my wife seemed surprised as I was to see it there. Noticing my confusion, my youngest daughter spoke. Daddy, that's gotta be from Mr. Elf. She said, her voice cheerful and bright. I was ready to dismiss her elf comment. It's just another weird thing kids say, but my wife wasn't so quick to ignore it. Honey, what elf? She asked. My daughter pointed to the laptop. By then, the video had ended, and all that was left on the screen was a preview of the first frame. The one that came with Santa. She answered. Panic struck me like a bird in a jet propeller. I know my wife didn't dress up as an elf. I scanned the video. 
clicking forward and back until I saw what my daughter had seen. There was someone in the living room. He walked to the corner after I had turned the lights off. He stood there watching me, parading around as Santa. The video went off completely quiet after that. It was as though the camera failed to record a single sound. The strange tall man in an elf costume stood perfectly still for over an hour, watching the camera from a distance. After a while, he walked over to the plate of cookies and bit the head off the gingerbread man. I glanced at the plate and saw his teeth mark on the decapitated cookie. The man then quietly approached the tree. I thought the audio wasn't working, but as he reached the tree, I began to hear his slow and steady breaths. He reached towards the ornament, and the video stopped. In a terrified frenzy, I grabbed the blue box he'd left behind. I ripped off the bow, and I tossed the frilly thing away. I frantically removed the wrapping paper, opened the box, and I looked inside. There, on a bed of bubble wrap, was the battery I'd put in the camera the night before. My wife took the ornament and opened the back. The battery was missing. I don't know what scares me more. What the camera caught, or what the elf might have done after he turned the camera off. Yeah, man. He probably diddled those kids. Fucking rape my kids. <laughs> you fucking rape my girls. I don't know. They they all seemed okay, right? It's because he's getting presents. I, I, I want someone to diddle me and give me presents. I don't know. I would probably just pick up my kids and leave the house immediately, right? Check yeah. the car. Make sure he's not in the car. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's using the bidet. Washing his bow. He's either in the house or he's not. And if he's in the house, he's going to come out when he hears people scrambling. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be good for them at all. And if he's not in the house, there's nothing to worry about. So, I mean, uh, it could really only go two ways. Yeah, they're So, this dumb. next this next thing, and you know, this episode is actually going by pretty fast. This is the last story. And it's a little bit longer than the rest. But I think this was the one that made me most excited just because the idea sounded really cool. It kind of sounds like a, um, a Christmas story that you would read hmm. during the season. It's called Christmas Land. You know, it kind of reminded me of Krampus a little bit. If anyone hasn't seen... Krampus, I think this is, this is going to be a good year to watch Krampus because, you know, it de-escalates and kind of mocks the bullshit of, you know, society at this point in time. Gun-toting, abrasive family members, you know. A part of me really thought you were going to say Krampus land. Krampus land. <laughs> yeah, I wish. You know, one of my favorite Christmas movies is Gremlins. You know, and Gremlins has some solid horror bits. You know, that uh, the science teacher's room, like that that part gets me all the time when the mom is alone. And do you do you see what I see is playing in the background? Like, now that, that song's ruined for me during Christmas because it's just like, you know, it's, it's a creepy fucking song when you really think about it. And Gremlins puts it in a whole new perspective. Um, there are a lot of elements of that movie that are creepy, and there are a lot of elements of that movie that's just fucking great. You know, Goonies, fun. But, um, you know, I feel like that's the vibe I'm going to get from this story, which is also from Reddit No Sleep. It's called Christmas Land. Christmas has always been a hard time for me. I've never felt the warmth of family coming together, the anticipation of opening gifts. I've never gone to midnight mass or experienced the thrill of sitting on Santa's lap and telling him what I want. I've never helped my mother make gingerbread cookies or gone caroling. But Christmas isn't hard because my life has lacked those holiday essentials, no. Instead, it's because of the memories that surround that annual celebration. 
the reminder of what I went through, of what I've seen. I'm getting ahead of myself. Just a little bit, but it's alright. It happened when I was six. I was living with my mother. My father was out of the picture, just a hateful name on my mother's tongue. I never met the guy, and to be honest, I never wanted to. Why would I want to develop a relationship with someone who abandoned my mother after I was born? So it was just the two of us, two quiet souls just trying to make the most of our meager lives. We lived in a small house on the edge of the town. My mother worked two jobs and couldn't afford a sitter, so I spent a lot of time alone in the house. She made me swear secrecy and not tell anyone at school because she was afraid social services would take me away. Looking back, they probably would have if they found out. But they never did, and I spent a lot of time in a world of make-believe. I had to. We didn't have a television or even a radio, so if I wanted to escape somewhere, it had to be in my head. I didn't mind because I didn't know any better. I spun worlds and characters, imaginary friends, and silly things that little boys fantasize about. I'd come home from school and make myself some cheese and crackers, the kind of cheese you'd squirt from a can, and launch into my world of make-believe. I was a space warrior, a pirate, a soldier, anything I could think of. I'd run around the house fighting aliens or the enemy, shooting at them with imaginary guns or fighting them back with invisible swords. Eventually the sun would set and I would end up asleep in my bed. My mother would come home around 10, check on me, kiss me on the cheek, and then rush back out to her other job that kept her busy until after 3 a.m. So you see, she didn't have a lot of time for me. She didn't have time to get us a Christmas tree or to decorate the house or anything. Christmas was just another day for me. But God, I, I wanted it to be so much more. I got so jealous listening to the kids at school talk about their presents, the sleigh ride they went on, their visit to Santa at the mall. I became hungry for those things. I wanted them more than anything else. I wanted to play in the snow and come rushing back inside to a cup of hot cocoa and listen to jingle bells while I warmed myself by the fire. It was all so festive, so magical. Now, I'm not telling you these things for you to pity me. I don't care about that. I'm telling you this so you understand why I did what I did and about why I went to Christmas land. I stirred in my bed and listened to Mom shut the front door behind her. My cheek was still damp from her kiss, and I knew she had just left to go to her second job. I rubbed sleep from my eyes and bundled up in my covers. It was cold, my breath pluming out before me. Mom must have not been able to pay the heating bills this month. As I tried to go back to sleep, my mind wandered. It was only a couple of days until Christmas, and I dreaded listening to everyone at school gloat about their presents and all the cool stuff they got. Buried under my blankets, I started to drift. The house was silent and dark. My bedroom door opened to reveal the barren living room. The voice shattered the serenity like a hammer on glass and my eyes shot open. My heart began to race in my chest as I tried to determine if I had imagined the voice or not. Mom had just left. I was supposed to be alone. Psst! Hey, kid. Come over here. I sat up, breathing fast. I hadn't imagined it that time. It was a male voice, low and deep, but inviting. It had come from the living room. It's okay. I just want to talk to you for a second. Swallowing hard, I slid off my bed and tiptoed to the door. I peeked around the corner, trying to see through the black. Had Mom brought a friend over and left him here? I thought about turning on a light, 
but for some reason the thought scared me. What if I didn't want to see whoever was out there? What if it wasn't one of Mom's friends? Over here, by the fireplace. I squinted towards the ashy, empty space against the wall. I didn't see anyone. It was a mess of trembling nerves as I crept towards where the voice had come, keeping my head on a swivel. I stopped in front of the fireplace, scratching my head. That's better. I'm up here. I jumped, taking a step back as the voice echoed from the chimney. As I settled myself, my mind began to spin. Who was up there? And how had they gotten up there? The only person I knew who went down chimneys was Santa. I was going to say Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. Did you get that reference? Yeah, Mary Poppins. Fear subsiding, I knelt down and cocked my head up under the fireplace to look up the chimney. Dangling from the darkness was a long, charred hand. It hung motionless like a dead pendulum. Long fingers hung like silent chimes, the skin as dark as soot. The hand was attached to an incredibly thin wrist that disappeared into the black. Hey, kid! The hand said from no visible orifice. I just stared at it. Mouth dropped open. What the heck was this? How was a hand talking to me? And what was it doing in my house? You're pretty brave, not running away. The hand continued, still motionless in the air. Most kids see me and book it. Not you, though. You're a tough guy, huh? I shrugged. Still not sure, I was awake and listening to a hand in my chimney. Well, let me cut to the chase. I heard you like Christmas. Is that true? I told the hand it was. Still unmoving, the hand continued. Well, that's great, because I have a surprise for you. If you want, I can take you to a magical place called Christmas Land. In Christmas Land, it's always snowing, just like the North Pole. Not only that, there's also hundreds of dazzling Christmas trees like you've never seen. And Christmas lights all through the sky. Oh, they're beautiful. Christmas land is full of little boys and girls just like you. Doesn't that sound wonderful? It was my Uncle Fred. Don't you want to see it? shifted in my empty living room, curiosity pushing aside fear. This did sound good. It sounded exactly like what I wanted, as strange as the offer was, as bizarre a circumstance I found myself in, I felt pulled to comply. I was a, it was a nagging in my head, a whisper behind the voice I heard. I bit my lip and thought about my mom. She wouldn't be home for a couple hours. She didn't have to know. The hand swayed gently. I promise to have you back before your mom gets home. You want to see the lights, don't you? You want to play in the snow? You want to play in my dead you lights? Wanna, you want to float in my Let's dead lights? float? That I did. And honestly, I was so desperate to experience Christmas that it didn't take much to convince me. I told the hand I would come making it promise to take me back before three, and it promised. Smiling hesitantly, I reached up 
and grabbed the hand, which was now opening its fingers. On contact, I felt something jolt through me like a quick blast of icy wind. I gasped and heard the hand whisper something to itself from the darkness. Take us. Before I could respond, the hand gripped mine, and I was lifted off my feet in a rush. Darkness blasted around me, and I squinted, my eyes watering. I could smell ash invade my nostrils, the chimney squeezing in tight around my shoulders. The hand never let go, and we just kept soaring up and up and up, up for far too long. We should have reached the end of the chimney by now. And then I audibly gasped as light exploded across my vision, and heat rushed in to wrap itself around me. I blinked, wind tearing my eyes, and I realized I was falling. I was falling fast, and the hand was nowhere to be seen. I started to scream, realizing I was falling towards the earth from high up, impossibly high up, and everything was wrong, all wrong. I expected to see my house, my neighborhood, a dark landscape below me, but what I, what I fell towards was nothing like that. I fell towards charred earth and dusty mountains. I fell towards pits of fire and empty wasteland. I fell towards a mass of something wriggling and screaming. As terror poured from my mouth, hair slapping across my face, I saw that I was falling towards a massive net dangling over the earth filled with screaming children. When I registered what it was, I only had a second to cover my head before I smacked into them. My breath was crushed from my lungs and I felt bones break under me as I made contact with the other kids. I felt my shoulders scream with pain and I wriggled on top of the pile as hands reached for me, tried to pull me under, tried to get me off of them. Faces stared up at me, terrified tear-streaked faces. Confusion and horror crashed together in my young mind like two trains on the same track. I didn't know where I was, what was happening, or what I had just fallen into. I kicked at the hands grabbing me, frantic to be free from their touch. There were hundreds of kids below me, most of them crushed and dead from the weight of those above. I rolled over and pressed my face against the mesh, looking below. Blood dripped from the bottom of the net, and I could hear the slow grind of bones breaking in the air. And then the net began to move. I gripped it and pulled myself to a standing position, face pressed against the fiber, desperate to see where I was. The vision that awaited me still haunts me to this day. We were hanging above a vast plain of red earth. Foothills rolled below us, empty of forest or foliage. Rock formations jutted from cuts in the dirt, like emerging infections, sharp angles, and dangerous surfaces. Ash rained from a crimson sky, a constant curtain of never-ending flakes. It looked like snow. Walking across the expansive plains were dozens of towering, naked, sexless humans. They rose hundreds of feet in the air, all silent with eyes that looked glazed over as if they were asleep. They were rhythmic in their movement, order to their steps. They worked together all across the horizon, bringing down nets and emptying them into colossal piles. Dozens and dozens of human mountains scattered across the horrific world, bleeding cairns that screamed and howled in the wind. I watched in devastated horror as the children were emptied from the nets and tumbled down the piles, still fighting to get away. 
Even as they did, one of the enormous humans would come forward and kick them back, killing them in the process. When the piles were high enough, an enormous blazing rock was set at the top to begin a slow burn down to mountains of flesh. You slow burn, man. In a sick way, it reminded me of a, ball. of a star atop a Christmas tree. The orange and red stone lighting the pile with disturbing color as it burned away the bodies. A thick black smoke wafted from the death and rose up and up high into the sky. My bloodshot eyes followed the dozens of plumes of smoke towards the heavens, and for a second time my breath was robbed from my lungs. Stretching across the expanse of the sky from horizon to horizon was an absolutely titanic human body. It was naked like those below, but its skin was pale, almost white. Its hairless torso peeked in and out of black smoke and cloud cover, winking down at us from an impossible height. Its head was bald and its moon-sized eyes were closed and unmoving. Its mouth was a long line across its face, a pasty trench of overwhelming size, and it just hung above us all still and silent. Peeking around the colossal body was a broken remains of a destroyed galaxy. Half a light planets and stars hung miserably across the vermilion heavens. Entire worlds cracked and crumbling through the solar system like blazing comets. And that's when I noticed something. I noticed the motionless body in the sky was absorbing all the smoke and death through its nostrils, like black holes sucking in all matter, and the more it breathed in, the more it began to take on color. They were trying to wake this thing back up, revive it from whatever state it had fallen into. Before I could even digest all this, our net dropped and I was falling once again. I heard my voice join the others, screaming, howling, we were being emptied onto a new pile of children. I hit the squirming mass with a thud and felt myself slide and somersault down it. Hands clawed at me as I tumbled, rolling further down until finally I was at the base of this flesh mountain. The ground shook as one of the massive sexless humans approached carrying a blazing boulder. Me and three other children began to run, hauling away from the pile as fast as we could. I didn't know where, but in the distance I saw spires. I head towards them. The giant holding the boulder kicked at us, and two of my companions were destroyed instantly. Tears pouring from my face, I ran and ran and ran. I could hear roaring behind me, a great bellow of fury at my escape. I didn't stop, didn't care that I couldn't breathe, didn't notice the burning in my throat as I inhaled ash and soot. The ground shook and fire blazed and hell was all around me. The spires formed definition, and I realized as I sprinted closer that they were chimneys, sprouting from the earth like broken tunnels. Hundreds and hundreds of chimneys of all shapes and all sizes, together they formed a field of stone and brick stretching for acres and acres. Nets hovered above them from spikes the size of skyscrapers. As I approached the chimneys, I noticed that children were shooting out of them like bullets, only to fall into the waiting nets. I didn't have time to feel sorry for them as I reached the edge of the chimney fields. I didn't know what I was doing, didn't have a plan, I just 
needed to escape this nightmare. Tears rolling down my cheeks, I scrambled up the shortest chimney I could find, brick licking my skin and drawing blood. My ruined fingers dug into tiny holds, and I pulled myself up, weeping until I was sitting at the lip and looking down into empty darkness below, sobbing. I said a prayer and took one last look behind me. The titan in the sky had opened its eyes. Wind suddenly whipped across my face, and suddenly I was deafened by a great roar that shook the heavens. The giants below fell to their knees, hands upraised as the very vault of the universe began to open and shift, shaking reality an explosion of color and sound. Gripping the top of the chimney, screaming into the gale, I rolled forward into the open jaws of darkness. I fell down, down, deep into the long neck of the chimney and listened to the world end and be reborn behind me. I fell until all I knew was darkness. And when I eventually awoke, I was lying in the middle of the road, surrounded by police, paramedics, and a very concerned crowd. Red lights flashed across my blurred vision and I blinked back black. Questions rained down on me, worried voices that became jumbled to form a roar of noise. I looked down at myself and saw I was covered in blood and ash, my clothes hanging from my body and burning shreds. I fought against the paramedics trying to shove an oxygen mask over my face and scream for my mother, fear and horror consuming me I blacked out soon after. I woke a few days later in a hospital bed, my mother's tear-streaked face staring down at me. Mercifully, she held her questions back. Instead, she hugged me tight and kissed my face, whispering her love. It wasn't until I was released a few days later that I found I was told what happened. According to the people who found me, I had suddenly appeared in the middle of the highway, a highway three states over from my house and home. It was a miracle someone didn't hit me with their car. My mom took me home and for years didn't ask questions. She knew something horrible had happened to me, and I think she always suspected someone had come and snatched me from my bed and dumped me in the road. I let her believe that despite the contradicting timeline. I've never fully recovered mentally from that night, and how could I? I witnessed something no man was ever supposed to possess the memory of. I saw something that defied everything. Where had I been taken? Where was it now? Was it some distant future or some alternate plane of existence? And just what was that thing in the sky? And where was it now? I like that it's basically like Santa and his elves, but like as like a destroyer of worlds, Cthulhu monster. That would be an interesting... Uh... Like, if they were to continue this, but actually I don't know, make a there, world out of it. There are elements of the Krampus myth that have kind of, like, cthulhu like, fairy elements to it. Yeah. He himself is, like, a demon. He's the negative Santa Claus. But anyway, I thought that last story was pretty fucking nuts. I thought it was going to be more like uh, Stephen King's son's book, uh, Nosferatu, which is about a vampire that steals children around Christmas by convincing them to come to his uh, Christmas-themed amusement park. It's called Nosferatu. I'm pretty sure it's getting made into a TV show or a movie. That sounds it's, pretty neat. But it's the, the reason it's called Nosferatu is uh, it's N-0-S, the number four, and then A, 
too. And it's a license plate to his car. Because he's like an old man, like a like a 90-year-old man that just abducts children. And like one of them is like, it's about a mom trying to get her kid back. I'm pretty sure. Give me back Mars. Or a kid that grew up and wanted to get revenge. I forget which. But anyway, well, you know, yeah, I don't know. Joe, it was Joe Hill, the same guy who did Horns. He did a book called Nosferatu, which was pretty fucking awesome. Well, all I gotta say to that is, I don't know who this Atu is, and I'm not gonna agree to disagree whether he needs a nose or not. But sure. I'd like to know about nose for Voldemort. Yeah, because you know his ass so, needs a nose. So this this Christmas season, how do you feel about these Christmas stories? They were good. More serious, which I liked. They were enjoyable. Quality, I feel like... Is better. It was better than part two, probably better than part one. But I mean... Part one was just gold. Part one, we had fun. Yeah. Part part one, we were pretty, pretty, you know, stone cold Steve Austin. Austin. Yeah. So, like, I guess I'll lead us out with, like... Is there anything you're like excited to do this this Christmas, or is there anything going on Christmassy, or is there any presents you're you're looking forward to? Cause like I heard, I heard that one of my presents might be a vacation. I heard one of my presents might be a couch, and like this couch fucking sucks. We could really use a yeah. I'm sleeping on it tonight. Here. We could use a fucking couch down here. Yeah. And you, you saw the couch in my mom's place. That couch is fucking awesome. Yeah, So, it is. like, the idea of a couch like that would be pretty great. Um, what am I excited for? Well, you're taking me somewhere for Christmas. Yeah, your, your Christmas present is the Wednesday after Christmas because Christmas is on a Monday. And so. we, have a, we have an office Christmas party that day, too, so we get to stop working pretty early. I think we get to stop working at like two. Yeah, a lot of Christmas, a lot of offices do. And then shit we, get, like that. we get to leave like a half hour early, maybe fifteen minutes early, and go to go to Philly. Yeah. I'm also yeah, excited. we're gonna get some pizza brain. Hell Fuck, yeah! You're gonna love. You're gonna fucking love this place, dude. Because all they're having pizza brain, best pizza place in Philly. Represent. Word your mother. Yeah. It's like all organic, vegan options. It just. You know, I don't feel like shit after eating it. That's what I mean. Like, it's the best, it's best oh, pizza. Oh, I'm so fucking ready. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's going to be a good night. And, you know, if there's anything else I'm excited for, it's... I have to go to Disney World next week. Um, this week sucks. This week is going to suck. I got a lot of shit I got to do. And not a lot of time to do it. Because I'm a procrastinator. And Christmas... Oh. Christmas is, uh, I don't really like Christmas that much. I think I said it on both the prior Christmas specials, but I don't really, Christmas is pretty superficial for me. Yeah. I would much rather just, like, go somewhere and do something fun than, like, have to buy presents for everyone. I wish we had off Christmas Eve. Well, this year, I guess we do, because well, it's a Christ- Sunday. Yeah, because it falls on a Sunday, but we should have, I agree, we should have had that Tuesday off, and it kind of sucks that we don't get we don't get a single day. We get we get Monday off for Christmas. Yeah, it's all pretty fucked. We should see Disaster Artist on Christmas. I would love to. It's like, what else are you going to be doing? Christmas? Yeah. Um, Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Christmas Day. But I'll be free that. Anyway, we'll talk. Yeah, but we'll like, talk. We'll, we have to lead this out. 
I mean, I, it's okay if Christmas is, like, important to other people. I, I guess just being, like, a broke young adult, like, Christmas, like, just makes me wish I could spend my money on something more meaningful. It doesn't help when you're a fucking social butterfly like me and you have lots of friends. Sure, or or me when you're just giving these family members... I have, like, nine immediate family members I need to buy things for. And then I also paid for, like, several presents for both men and women close to me. So it's just, like, shit. I think my Christmas list was, like, 15 or 16 people this year. Yeah. Fucking, I feel it. Kill me. Yeah. Fucking sucks. And I'm I'm not even done yet. Yeah, buddy. Oh, fuck. I was supposed to buy shit tonight. Well, that didn't happen. Yeah, man. Sales are over. Well, I hope everyone else has a nice Christmas. This episode comes out the Friday before Christmas, so hopefully, like, you know, you guys are free Chris- Christmas Eve night, Christmas night, and you've you've nothing better to do. Like, you have time off, so it's you're you're sitting here, you're listening to this podcast. Hopefully, you you gave yourself some you gave yourself some nice some nice Morty. That's what I'm calling weed now. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, the smell of the pasta, and I smoked weed with my mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or if you're vegetarian, (laughs) cranberry pasta. I was going to say, what's... What's the thing? Mistletoe pasta. Mistletoe pasta. You can kiss yourself. Mistletoe pasta. But yeah, we, um, we we wish you a Merry Christmas, you know. And a happy new year. And, and hail Satan. You shit. You shit. Eat shit and die. And a happy new year. You fat.